Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm excited, but I imagine I'm not as excited as you. That's true. This is, uh, as we've talked about, sort of a uh, Christmas morning of sorts. It comes four times a year, and uh, because it is Tesla earnings. Tesla it's earnings very exciting. Call. It's a Caleb Christmas. Uh, what are you drinking for Caleb Christmas? I'm having my favorite drink, the Manhattan. Oh, excellent. Excellent choice. Yep. What, what about you? Uh, tonight, I am drinking a Gil Sands. Uh, mm. It's a recipe with uh, gin and sherry and some Luxardo. Uh, it's from Comstock Saloon, which is uh, one of the uh, best bars in San Francisco. If you if you visit, you should definitely go check it out. Um, and this comes out of a recipe book called um, Drinking the Devil's Acre, which is a book about San Francisco and uh, bars and the, the cocktail scene in San Francisco and throughout history. Highly recommend. Um, and it's quite nice. And I made a dry run of it on Sunday because mm. I forgot that we weren't recording at our usual time. <laughs> so, so this is the second time this week I'm enjoying this drink. Um, and it's, it's quite delightful. All right. I'll have so, to try that. Yeah. Let's dive in here. Yes. So the, uh, the news dropped, the earnings release came out. Uh, we are recording, uh, the day it's, it's been released. Um, and so, yeah, we now know that they had a, Tesla had a record quarter, uh, record deliveries of 25,051 vehicles. So that's between the S and the X. I mean, they're, they're a growing company though, right? So every quarter should be a record quarter or otherwise they've got some serious problems. Pretty much. I mean, there's some seasonality, but yeah, pretty much they should be growing. And, and so, yeah, they grew, um, 64%. Uh, year over year on on vehicles, uh, they did 2.7 billion in gap revenue, which was also a new record. Um, yeah, that is not like sales of jeans and t-shirts, right? That's generally correct. Accepted accounting practices. Yep, exactly. Okay. And uh, 2.3 of that 2.7 was automotive, and 200 million was energy. So primarily automotive still, which makes sense. And they had a 330 million dollar loss. Um, and uh, that compares to 282 million loss in the same period last year. So the loss increased, even though they did a lot more sales. And this is where they actually sort of miss the Wall Street expectations. They uh, beat on the sales, and they uh, did worse than uh, on the on the loss. So Wall Street was expecting less of a loss. And so in digging in a little bit, the the big areas that uh, caused the loss. Uh, uh, growth was uh, increased amount of sales spend so that that would count for more opening of stores and then also the R&D is just on a tear i mean they're just hiring lots and lots of uh, engineers and and folks on the on the R&D team so um yeah they keep investing in the growth so for better or worse um i think a lot of investors would like to have seen them get closer to a a, a net uh, zero <laughs> quarter. Uh, they bucked that and continue to operate at losses. Um, but one of the other really nice things on the financial side before we move into sort of the news side was uh, the gross margin on automotive improved um, to 27.4%. Uh, and last year it was 24%. So these are extremely high margins. And I think they're probably the highest margin of any auto yeah, can you right now. can you contextualize that? Like, what is like, say, like maybe a BMW and maybe a like Ford or a GM have for margins? Yeah, so BMW would be in the twenties, uh, low twenties, and then Ford and and uh, GM are sort of in fifteen. So it's like double, uh, sort of the mainline auto auto folks. Um, so quite a, quite a strong margin, and their target is still to hit thirty percent gross margin, um, which is would be very impressive if they if they get that and uh even more impressive if they do that on their future vehicles which we will get to and oh lastly uh they have the most cash on hand ever so they definitely have plenty of cash um they have Is four bill four billion in cash right now billion uh, with a books. b with a b yes and that in, that includes they did a a, a rate they rose some uh rose some raised some capital yep recently the dough was raised yes uh okay. yeah they raised they raised some money this quarter uh or this previous quarter uh of the reporting period q1 okay and that's part of that four billion yeah exactly yeah so they have some fresh cash coming in uh <laughs> last year they were at 1.4 billion in cash so uh yeah uh, 2.6 billion more than last year all right um let's yeah, dive so, into dive into some news here yes so i think you know the the raison d'etre for us as we talk about is model model three so we'll start with model three um <laughs> this all started with caleb standing in line in palo alto to place his name on a list 
and my ex enthusiasm and desire to share. I could not contain <laughs> it to just you and some of our friends, so we had to start the podcast. Um, All those 54 or 55 weeks ago. Yes, exactly. Quite a while. Um, so I'm just going to quote verbatim uh, what was in the letter because I think it uh, if, accurately covers. Can you do it in an Elon Musk accent too? I, I can't. I don't, I don't want to, uh, okay. I don't even want to attempt right. it. So. All right. Maybe in week 100 you can do that. Maybe, maybe in our uh, our final episode, I will I will attempt that. Um, Model Three vehicle development is nearly complete as we approach the start of production. Um, so they're still finishing, still finishing touches, still a little bit of polish. Um, Wait, release... so you said you were quoting verbatim, but you're adding commentary in between. Sorry, it's very difficult to uh, not contextualize <laughs> it with my own thoughts. <laughs> All right, carry on. No, that's fine. We'll we'll do it that way. I just okay. wanna, I just want to make make it clear that, that that's not true. what the letter said. That would be awesome. Um, back to my <laughs> quoting, release candidate vehicles built using production intent tooling and processes are being tested to assess it fit and finish to support vehicle software development and to ensure a smooth and predictable homologation process. Road testing is also underway. Air quotes, as we saw, that's me, to refine driving dynamics and ensure vehicle durability. I think you wanted parentheses, not air quotes. Ah, you're right. Parens. Um So can you, uh, you, you mentioned a word homologation. Um, yes. Can can you please tell uh, me and the listeners what that ridiculous word means? Yes. Homologation is a, a phrase used to describe meeting some standard or approval process. Um, and in the automotive world, that is getting a car ready for sale in a particular geography such that it will meet the standards and uh, ensure that regulators will allow you to sell it. So they have to cross their I's and dot their T's with all the paperwork or the appropriate agencies to release a new vehicle. Got it. Um, yeah. It's okay. a fun word. So, <laughs> it's a new word, T-I-L, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, so, you know, good, good stuff here. Just essentially, um, from the actual uh, vehicle itself, things are, are going smoothly. No red flags caused or, or raised on the vehicle. So um, no, no major like rattles or issues that they don't have a plan to fix. Um, and they seem to be happy with how all of that's going. Um, some of the questions on model three that came in. Yeah. During... Caleb, could you, could you answer this for us? Is, is model three, their third version? Is this the third iteration of the model S what's, what's going on here? Yeah. So they spent a lot of time trying to remind people that the model three is not the, the next best Tesla. Um, but it has that a three it, in its name. I know. So apparently uh, they really now, they've mentioned this in the past, we've talked about it. They really feel like people are confused that the Model 3 is the next version and that should, it's better than the Model S, um, that they, they believe and have heard that people are uh, wanting to trade in their Model S <clears throat> so they can be prepared for Model 3. And so Elon spent a lot of time talking through this and reminding people that S and X will continue to be the best uh, and that the three is simply a smaller, more affordable version with fewer features. But he did point out that it will have the same autonomy features um, as S and X. So don't need to worry there. Um, and that essentially Model S is on version four and that Model 3 will sort of start at that level of quality. But Model S and X will continue to, uh, to go forward and yeah, he just sort of said, blame me. I wanted to call it the Model E. Ford wanted us to not use that name. And so he went to and changed it to Model 3 to be cute. And uh, he's now paying the price. And so they're just doing a lot of work to try and communicate that the Model 3 is not the next best car. It is a good car, but is, if you want the best, get a Model S or X. Yeah, if, the, if you really wanted to eliminate confusion, you should have made it the lowercase s. That way you would have the <laughs> s and the s. And that, that would have been totally clear. That is probably not a great idea. Um, one, <laughs> right, so one, how, is, uh, how is production going here? How, how, are, how are things stacking up? Yeah, so there's no blockers that they, um, <clears throat> that they see that essentially everything is coming in as expected. The simulations that they had been running uh, internally, uh, the software simulations of everything, he said it's pretty close to the bullseye. Um, is that software simulations like autopilot or of the assembly process? <clears throat> like the yeah, of, of the assembly, of what the coefficient of drag should be, how all the parts should end up fitting together, what the performance characteristics should be. Okay. So all of that advanced um, design process that, that Elon and team had talked about of how, how could they build the Model 3 so fast 
uh, you know, design and, and, uh, and, and produce it, that they did a lot more software um, testing uh, before they actually built any. And uh, yeah, so the, the actual production facilities are on track to support the ramp to the 5,000 vehicles per week at some point in 2017. So like we talked about, they are still affirming the 5,000 per week in 2017 and getting the 10,000 vehicles per week at some point in 2018. I love the at some point in both of those. Like that's the, that is not, that is your verbatim quoting is at some point mm-hmm. in 2017 mm-hmm. and at some point in 2018. Yeah. I mean, they will not be more specific about when that happens. And then it goes back to our favorite refrain of uh, production ramps look like an S-curve. And as you go up that S-curve, the steep part of it is very difficult to predict what time boundaries it will fall on. And so I think they really want to get in a position where they do not miss their their stated production goals. So they believe they'll hit the 5,000 at the end of the at the end of the year at some point, but they're not willing to put a stake in the ground for when. And for long-term investors, that doesn't really matter. But for the short-term Wall Street folks, for their models, it really makes it difficult for them to model uh, how many cars they'll make. Um, Right. And so this would have been like the last call where they could have set expectations if they thought this wasn't going to happen, right? Because by the next time the call comes around, this, this has to be going on. Yeah, exactly. It will be in July as that next call is happening. So stuff should be happening. And so next call, they'll be able to, they said they should be able to set some expectations around where, how many Model 3s they'll actually make uh, for the next call. Uh, But yeah, this is the last one before they should actually be making any um, Model 3s. Um, And one other good thing we had talked about in a previous episode that one of the long lead items was their big press that they're going to use, a new Schuler press, which is uh, what's going to make all the body panels. Uh, that's in place. They've started using it, um, and now they believe they have enough time to test all the dies, make sure all the stampings are coming out nice and clean. Uh, the body welding assembly is, is happening. So all the equipment is in, in place and being installed and tested. And then everything in Gigafactory is happening for the cells, the modules, the battery packs, the drive units. Um, so they still believe everything is ready to go and that the suppliers are still ready to go. And as explicitly by one of the one of the analysts, Elon said that there was nothing that he knows about right now that would cause them to miss their their stated 5,000 by the end of the year. So good news all around on production from everything we currently know. And, you know, it's uh, May, June, and then they, st- they still plan to start in the beginning of July. So got 60 days of uh, the clock of, of, <laughs> of craziness until it starts. All right. And so now this is the, the Model 3 is it's, it's a different assembly line and it's a, what is it? They, they're saying it's a more automated process for, for assembling it. Yeah, so we've been talking about the Alien Dreadnought in previous episodes, and they've been talking about it in the machine that builds the machine. And so they were asked about, like, well, how good is that machine that builds the machine? And um, so Elon uh, gave a little bit more detail than he's ever given. And he said that it should be comparable with the best high-volume production, best high-volume vehicle production in the world. Um, And he said it's going to be better in some ways, worse in others. He wouldn't go into detail about which parts are better and which are worse. Um, and that he said, but with a little bit of time, so maybe by the end of the year or the middle of next year, he thinks it will be a little bit better than the next best, which is unusual for him to not use a superlative to describe Tesla's efforts. And uh, he said, you know, they did design the product to be easy to manufacture um, and the design of the factory layout itself. Um, and uh, so the Model 3 will eventually be the best manufactured vehicle in the world but then he teased that the model y will be nothing close to that it will be way surpass surpass it model y caleb what is a model y well one second hold on oh sorry so he so then jb straubel their cto jumped in to try and warm up the conversation i guess because he sort of felt like maybe elon was underplaying it and and so he (laughs) said that the uh, model 3 is vastly more automated um and that it takes one fifth the amount of hours to make a model 3 than it does a model s or x so five times the throughput um, for, you know, the number of, time, number of hours on the line. And Elon was also saying, like, when he's walking around the factory right now, there's so many more robots and so much more going on on the Model 3 side that it's shocking even to him. And he's used to being in the factory. And that he said even just glancing at that line versus the old one or the Model S and X, it's very clear this is the new 
new stuff. So it seems like it might not be safe to sleep at the end of that line. It might, be it might not be. They're going to, yeah. they're going to be flying off the end of it. Um, and so hopefully very soon we will be able to, uh, get to see a little bit more about what, uh, what the fact, the state of the factory looks like, but, um, yeah, we'll have to save that for a future episode. And so now these vehicles, as they come shooting off like machine gun bullets out of the end of the factory, uh, are they uh, going to be able to drive themselves to their locations? Uh, they will not be able to do that in the beginning. No. Uh, he did talk about autonomy and he talked about autonomy in his TED talk, um, which occurred uh, last Friday. And it's really that, more of a TED interview than a TED talk, but that's true. Just it was to set interview. expectations. Yeah. So there's a 40 minute interview with uh, Elon Musk and the creator of TED, um, uh, Chris, Chris Anderson. Yeah. And uh, he he mentioned that again that they are going to do a, a full cross country trip from California to New York. I was no really disappointed. That, I was really disappointed he didn't make some sort of cannonball run uh, reference there. But yeah, you know whatever probably doesn't want to raise the ire of uh people who think they'll try and speed through but it should oh, be pretty good fast point. yeah um and i we were tweeting out a bit over the weekend about this because it's interesting it's pretty much just going to be using a lot of the advanced uh enhanced autopilot stuff because the majority of that trip like 99.99 percent of those miles are going to be highway miles um and so that you know to, to actually achieve that for the end of the year might not be as crazy as people think because the the bar there for highway miles is so much lower it actually uh, probably has more implications for the tesla semi not to jump ahead at all but yeah the interstate travel along highways is exactly uh, yeah okay sorry carry on no no no. and so he said you know we still plan to do that in november or december which still seems pretty incredible given where they're at today because we are now in may month five and that would be month 10 or 11 i guess 11 or 12 sorry um uh and then but to fall asleep in your vehicle, level four or five will be two years. So he's still strongly reaffirming it. Still no change on needing LIDAR. He, they're pushing on the vision system strongly. Um, and what, someone asked him, so when you're going to be able to sleep in your car, do you expect Tesla's going to make a big interior change? Because maybe people want to have a totally different interior, our, our, our roaming RV concept. Uh, my Winnebago, yes. Uh, but he said, uh, and I quote, no, he doesn't expect a dramatic change for inside the car. And he said, maybe there'll be club seating so everyone can face forward. But he said, like, that's not very difficult. It's just sort of a swiveling chair. So not really <laughs> like a 1970s van. Yeah. And he, he also said he just isn't sure how many people will actually want to do that. Um, so my question to you, Mike, would is would you want to just flip around and face your passengers or people in the back seat? Is that appealing? Would you want a car that has the driver's seat flip around? I mean, what I want is a Winnebago that drives me around. So you know, okay. I'm, I'm probably not in the target market, but uh, would, would you? I don't know. I, I may. If you had a little table in between everyone, maybe you could play Uno or some sort of other card game or Cards Against Humanity or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm re I'm usually driving just with one other person. Uh, if you're going to watch a movie or something, then you you don't actually want to be facing each other. You probably all want to be facing like theater style in the same direction and turn the windscreen into a projection theater or something. Yeah. Also, I'm not even sure I would want to sit in the front seat at that point. I, I might just want to sit in the back because I don't want to. I don't want to be going backwards. I don't really like that. Um, oh, you're you're one of those people. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> so one of the one of the other things he was saying too was that he couched it a little bit, and we they had talked about this when the new autopilot stuff had come out, the hardware, and we mentioned that um, you know they have the sensors in the car. The sensors are going to be the same in the Model Three, so people don't need to worry about that. The eight cameras, the radar, the, the ultrasonics. But um, he did say, you know, it's in, it should definitely be level four, but it might not be level five capable. But that won't be that big a deal because we could upgrade the computer in it. We've already got the wiring harness in a place where we can just go into the glove block, glove box and switch <laughs> out the computer if eventually they realize they actually need more computing power. Can you um, remind us what the difference between four and five is? Yeah, so four is uh, no driver intervention, but in a geo-fenced area. So in San Francisco, you would never need to touch the wheel, maybe. Uh, you could be asleep in the back, but if you were to try and go over the bridge to Oakland or Marin, you may need to take control. So level so four Like if you be, stayed on the interstate highways, maybe that would be fine. And then when you got an off-ramp, you'd have to take over that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that would even be, you could even class that as level three. Uh, level four would be anywhere in a particular geo, okay. um, like any kind of road. So highway and local roads. Level five is all conditions 
all locations. Okay. Um, level five is the like blind the drunk people can get in. Not that yeah. blind people would be drunk, but blind or drunk people could get in. Yeah, and, and everywhere. Um, so there's really no limitations on where it could go. So you would okay. be able to go cross-country back roads if you wanted, and it should work. Um, so, yeah, he was just saying, like, they they have the wiring in place to do it, um, and he still feels confident that uh, what they have in place sensor-wise should be able to get them there. And that in six months, they went from having no software themselves really on the sensing suite to having the replace mobile eye. Now they have their own vision and that um, that pretty much every new release, there'll be more significant improvements because people currently have the cars and they're not that much better than the autopilot one. And in some ways, they're not even better. And it's been six months. So people are kind of like, well, I don't see that curve. I don't see that trajectory of getting to full <laughs> self-driving anytime soon. At this rate, it'll take 12 years right and so he has to explain exponential returns to people yeah exactly so again and um one other detail is tesla is not recognizing all the revenue they're collecting from that five thousand dollar and eight thousand dollar um deposits people are giving for for that software oh, so, really? so they're only recognizing a small percentage of it because they're they haven't delivered all the functionality so they have a financial incentive to do it as well even though that's probably not the main driver but just know that if you did pay for full self-driving tesla doesn't really get to recognize that revenue uh, if you care <laughs> I, I can't imagine anyone would yeah. um so what people might care about, though, is like, where would you pick up these vehicles that are shooting out of the factory and where would you get them fixed if something goes wrong or if someone in a uh, old school car hits you and, and damages your Tesla? Well, like what's going on there? Yeah. So one of the big concerns, obviously, is as they're going to go from 100,000 you know, cars a year to 500,000 and then a million that's going to be a lot more pressure on all of the systems of delivery, repairs, and superchargers, as you were just alluding to. So um, they've said in their this quarter um, they're going to be adding 100 new retail locations um, this for the rest of the year. So that includes the retail, the delivery, and service locations. So that'd be a 30% increase over their entire population of service locations. So that's a good sign. Um, so a bunch of new stuff there. And, and for, for Tesla, those are separate things though, right? Like those retail and delivery and service, like service stations are not in retail locations, right? Some, sometimes, like a traditional car dealer would. Yeah, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. It really just depends on the location and the real estate, but um, okay. they, do have, they do have mixed ones. Um, and the other thing is they're going to start, they're going to do their own Tesla owned body shops. Uh, for repairs out of warranty of uh, the vehicles. A lot of people who get into accidents or fender benders have a really difficult time getting their cars repaired because they're aluminum. They have to go to these really high-end specialty repair shops and it's very expensive and very slow. Tesla is responding by they're going to insource that and do it themselves. So that should make a lot of people happy. And then the other big thing is they've started testing doing sort of um, convention style delivery events. So instead of a one-on-one -on -one with a, a specialist for a few hours is how they sort of started with SNX. Now they're starting to rent these huge locations, build these really big facilities, have a whole bunch of people come at the same time. Kind of like a, a, an indoctrination ceremony for yeah, a cult. Yeah, you're, big you're joining group. a cult. Yeah, exactly. You're all coming in. You're going to learn about your cars as a group. And then you all take delivery of your vehicles very quickly. Uh, is Tony Robbins going to be there too? That's what I was, it was funny. I was sort of thinking about that. It's like, it, it is this interesting thing where you're going to have all these people who are all excited about picking up their car and they're trying to make it super streamlined and fast. So you sort of come in, it's a fun place. And then you get your car and you drive off. And because they're going to be delivering like five times as many vehicles per period. Um, and obviously a lot of people want to pick up their car on the weekend, especially if you cannot leave your job uh, during the week, they need to increase their speed of delivery. And so they're continuing to work on that. And then on the repair side, apparently already they've decreased repair times 35% this year. Um, and that's been through primarily pre-diagnostic. So pre-cog, if you're a... Uh, uh, <laughs> Sort of. A little bit, yeah. So they're basically uh, investigating what is wrong with your vehicle before you bring it in, asking you to bring it in before it gets too intense so they can solve it more quickly. So um, this is like the cars have the, the the bus with all the information on it. And since mm -hmm. the Teslas are wired and have like 3G or 4G or whatever, that they can communicate back to the mothership and, and 
proactively tell you that something might be wrong with your vehicle. Exactly. And that way they can make sure they have the parts available at the service location when you come in. They're prepped to do it. And the person who knows how to do it is like there. One of the other really big things they pointed out on the call was a lot of people look at, well, how many cars are there and how many service locations are there and sort of say, wow, it's starting to get out of control. There's too too few locations for repairs. And uh, John McNeil, the head of service and sales, was trying to point out to people the majority, the super majority, actually, of uh, uh, repairs don't require uh, a lift. So the car to be lifted up because, uh, as you know, like there's that solid battery pack underneath. And so they've actually designed all the cars to be more serviceable from above. Um, And so as a result, it means that many vehicles can be serviced mobily. They can send their trucks out to service it where the vehicle is instead of you coming into service, which might seem inefficient, but actually is more cost-effective, uh, they've found, and uh, is better experience for the customer. And so they're deploying 100 more mobile trucks this quarter, starting in the Bay Area, and they'll continue to grow it. So they've got a multi-pronged approach here. They're going to deploy these mobile trucks so that they can do mobile repairs for people very, very quickly and not have them come into a physical service station. They're going to build larger service stations with more lifts so they can actually get more cars in per square foot lifted because that if you go to the service station, you're actually going to need a lift. And then lastly, they're continuing to improve the efficiency and speed with which they can repair things. And like Model 3 is just a simpler car, so there's fewer things that can go wrong. Oh, and the last thing they, they mentioned that was pretty cool is they continue to build inventory of P100D Ludicrous Model S's and X's because their new policy is when you have to give your car into Tesla for service, they are going to give you the top of the line vehicle replacement. So you basically will enjoy having your car in the shop because you're going to have driving around the best newest Tesla available. And is that within within the model that you have? So if yes. you have like a, a an S60, you get an, a P100D. But if you have a Model 3, you don't get the X100D. Yeah, you'll probably get the Model 3 maxed out. And I think also because like if you're in a Model X, you may have kids and need that space. So they don't want to put you in a Model 3 or Model S. Um, But it's sort of interesting. It's like an A, it's a really cool experience. And B, it's great to uh, entice you to want to upgrade your vehicle uh, to the latest and greatest. It also Um, slowly starts subtly getting you into the fleet mindset as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that Tesla will have the best vehicles available uh, for, for <laughs> use. Um, and obviously, there, one other thing just before we move on was that uh, Tesla, uh, Elon reaffirmed like because they're not trying to make profit on service like traditional car dealerships do, it leads them to want to have no revenue. Like their goal, their aspiration is zero dollars in service revenue, which would mean that the cars never need to be serviced. Um, and so if you make a model where there's no profit, that is a reasonable outcome to shoot for because it's not helping you any any way. If you're trying to make profit on it, you would never want to get rid of that profit. It'd be hard to get off that um, sweet, sweet profit stream of uh, repairs. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, sort of one more level they haven't really talked about of ultimately their goal is to eliminate all the service stations so that you never need it. That'll probably never happen, but it's nice that's, to know that's, that's what I do too. Caleb, I, I just don't write code that has bugs in it, so I never have to fix anything. So I understand that, that mindset. It works quite well. Yeah. Um, I, so how about charging? So when all these Model 3s come in and the uh, supercharger network gets taxed, like what are they doing about that? Right. So a, about a week or two ago, there was a, blog, a separate blog post about superchargers, which we didn't cover, but um, we'll cover now. So the plan <laughs> in 2017 is to double the number of superchargers to 10,000 plugs and in double the number of super, the destination chargers to 15,000 uh, globally. Global, okay, globally. Yeah. yeah and uh, one of the other really big changes is, you know, they started the network for cross, uh, sorry, cross-country and long-distance travel, as you remember. Um, and as they've transitioned to expanding the customer base to many people who won't have garages and people who live in cities who also may not have garages or park on the street for cultural reasons and, you know, layout <laughs> reasons. I always park on the street for cultural reasons. There are, there are places where you, you park on the street. Anyways... Uh, it is difficult for those folks to charge uh, at home and is an impediment to having a, uh, a Tesla. So they are starting to change direction or adjust direction, I suppose, and actually uh, offer uh, charging in cities. And uh, in our fair city of uh, San Francisco, they are going to have three superchargers in downtown. What say ye, Mike? Where are they? Do we they, know yet? 
Yeah, it's going to be in Soma, the financial district, and um, one other spot I can't remember. Are there just going to be like parkades, like in, in parking garages? No, they're, they're going to have full-on real estate, apparently. So it's going to be, you know, similar space as what they would have for um, a gas station, I guess. I have a lot of questions about that. All right. Interesting. Yeah. So it's going to be, and also they're going to start building these really big ones that'll have dozens and dozens of stalls. So instead of just like 12 or something, they're going to have dozens, like 30, 40, 50 different stalls. And they're, they're going to have little um, uh, centers in the middle that'll have the restrooms and a little place to chill out and probably Wi-Fi. So they're building like rest stops along the really major routes that are basically all just for Tesla. So they're nice. making a very big investment here. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably dig more into supercharging as those start getting released, but good news for everyone who wants to do supercharging and, and is concerned. Tesla is definitely upping their game in the most serious way we've seen with both city charging and these really, really big ones for, um, the, the very important travel uh, routes. Yeah. I guess uh, even though it will be expensive, I guess making them as sort of obvious as possible serves as a pretty great, uh, advertisement for, uh, for Tesla. Yeah, that too, especially in the cities. And also now because you, you're you going to have to pay for supercharging uh, credits on the Model uh, 3 and, and others, uh, there, there's some revenue coming in where before it was free. So it, it did hamper their ability to increase the supercharger capabilities. Cool. All right. So can we talk about the Model Y now? Yeah. So I think probably one of the biggest uh, pieces of news to come out of uh, the, the earnings call this time was surprisingly not about Model 3. I mean, I was expecting a lot more discussion on Model 3, and they didn't talk about it too much. He spent, and team spent much more time on Model Y. So and, Model Y is, it's it's better than the X, right? Because it's the next letter. Uh, so <laughs> they're going to have issues with Model Y too, I guess. But the Model Y is going to be their smaller uh, SUV, which is, uh, I don't know, So oddly, it's the lowercase x. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's oddly named crossovers uh, here in the U.S. and I guess other places. It's sort of this interesting new category of vehicle that's cropped up of a little bigger than a car, but not as small or smaller than and smaller than a SUV. Sort of. We used between. to call them like station wagon. It's somewhere between a station wagon and a hatchback, but like yeah. jacked up a couple inches. Yeah, so it, it's it's what most people are buying now, actually. And so we knew Model Y was going to be a smaller um, SUV, uh, but in the past we expected that Model Y was going to be based on the Model 3. And what we learned was kind of a bombshell, I suppose, that the Model Y is going to not be based on Model 3. It's going to be an entirely new platform. Is it going to have uh, Falcon Wing doors or I guess maybe pigeon wing doors in the, in the smaller vehicle? We still believe it's going to have Falcon wing doors, but we haven't had any more confirmation on that. No one asked. About I, it I would time. not bet money on that. That doesn't seem likely. So what the reason this came up was that he, Elon was saying that the Model Y factory is going to be when the alien dreadnought really comes alive. And that uh, one example of this is the Model Y is being designed in conjunction with the factory for building the Model Y and that the Model Y is going to be built in a brand new factory, which begets another gigafactory for the Model Y. And one thing he was saying as well was that an example that the Model S has a wiring harness that's like three kilometers of wire and the Model 3 was like ha uh, 1.5 kilometers, so half that. And everyone was excited when we talked about that like maybe two quarters ago. But the Model Y harness is only 100 meters. So it's 15 times less wiring in the, uh, in the Model Y than in the Model 3. And it's going to be running a new type of automotive uh, communications protocol. So instead of that CAN bus, which is sort of the automotive slow communications profile, mm -hmm. it's going to be using an Ethernet-based one. And also... They're going to be moving away from 12 volt. They're going to be, he, Elon was saying, it's sort of the most absurd voltage to be using. Um, it's wrong for everything. And so it looks like the Model Y is going to have a higher voltage system and not even have a 12 volt, volt, uh, 12 volt battery. And uh, yeah, they're going to be trying, like the, they expect it to come out sometime in 2020 and aspirationally in 2019. So lots of interesting new stuff on Model Y. Uh, wow, yeah. So it's interesting. It kind of makes the Model 3 a little bit less interesting in some ways because it means that 
the really cool production version where Tesla really will start to prove whether or not they're going to have this amazing manufacturing actually is never going to, well, isn't happening with Model 3. It's going to happen with Model Y. So in some ways, I kind of feel a little bit like they, they're now kicking the can down the road a little bit to like the future for Model Y. Yeah. Um, has he not heard of the Osborne effect? He's going to kill the demand for his, uh, for his Model 3 by announcing the, the updated Model X. Yeah, it's a little inter- it's a little weird. Um, I think I just I don't fully I don't fully get it. I I, I guess um, it's pretty clear to them that to get the Model Three out there and they're building it in Fremont. Like, there's only so much they can do to that factory, and now they're going to be building this new factory. That d- building the Model Y in that factory uh, will be somewhere between half a million and a million units. And so, yeah, we won't see Model Ys built in Fremont most likely. That it will be in some new Gigafactory. Um, in 2019 or 2020, which also means they're going to have to have a new Gigafactory by then, which means they need to start building the Gigafactory very soon if they want to have a car <laughs> popping out of it in uh, in three years. It's just a never-ending stream of, of things to anticipate. Yes, that is certainly the Tesla way. And one of the things that most critics who believe Tesla is a Ponzi scheme will say <laughs> is that uh, there's a never-ending amount of new exciting things in the future for Tesla to be excited about and that they kind of forget about the things we're working on currently. I don't think that's fully a fair, accurate statement, but we still have more to get to, so we'll, we'll keep moving along. Yeah, so if they're building all these Model Y uh, vehicles somewhere else, they might be shipping them around the country on a Tesla Semi. Yes. So the semi at Elon talked about it actually at the, um, he had said on Twitter, it's going to be revealed in September, taking everything to a next level. And then at the Ted, uh, interview, he showed a photo teaser of it sort of obscured by darkness. Uh, so we got a little bit silhouette. Yeah. Yeah. We got a silhouette of it and it had some Tesla DNA in it. I suppose it looked very smooth and looks a little uh, bit like the poster for the movie alien too. Yeah. Or, or, uh, yeah, yeah, it did actually. The, the, the lights are are a little bit like that. Um, but with the truck, it kind of looked like maximum overdrive. If you remember the, uh, Stephen King based uh, movie from the eighties where the vehicles take over or transformers, maybe, um, yeah, more modern. I'm old. Yeah, uh, I I don't know that movie. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and one of the you know from the master plan part two is where we originally heard about the semi, and the goal, as stated in that blog post, was to deliver a substantial reduction in the cost of cargo transport. Um, and so one of the analysts on the call asked, "Why are you going to announce the semi before the pickup?" And the answer was, "They're actually not going to be that widely separated in time, so people can." take that for what they will, uh, that probably the pickup will be shown off a little bit later, or he maybe was meaning that it won't be released, uh, too far away from each other. But Elon was saying they want to show that the electric transport can do the heaviest duty things in the world. Um, and he sort of felt like, uh, he was, he was mentioning that people probably believe they could do a pickup Tesla, no problem. But to do a semi truck kind of boggles people's minds. And he said there's a lot of people who don't believe it's possible. And so he wants to prove that it's possible and sort of show this extreme of a heavy duty truck. And also, JB Straubel chimed in and was like, well, also the semis burn way more fuel and, and contribute way more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere than and noxious gases than pickup trucks do so for the environment it's better to to transition semis before pickup trucks i guess but i mean by that logic they should actually make cargo ships but um yeah i I think the i mean the underlying thing i i believe is that selling semis is a lot more of a rational decision where people are calculating how much does it cost to operate how efficient is it how often does it need to be repaired and there's a a very rational uh decision-making process pickup trucks I think because of their position in the American economy are an irrational purchase where it's very much like people's pickup brand is tied up in their identity. Uh, People get very opinionated about like Chevy versus Dodge versus Mm. Ford. And there is so much money that is pushed into those like marketing campaigns and advertising to, to build that up that it seems like that would be a very, very difficult uh, nut to crack. Yeah. And Elon actually mentioned that on the call that, uh, the the decision to buy the semi is going to be binary uh it will either be uh cheaper per cost uh, sorry cheaper cost per ton mile traveled or it won't be 
And if it is cheaper, they'll sell a ton of them. And if it isn't, they won't. And they understand that. So that's kind of neat. Like they're clearly going to be benchmarking against the best in class uh, Freightliners and Volvos and whatnot. And they believe they have a compelling product here that will be less expensive. And one of the interesting things is he said it actually is going to have a lot of Model 3 parts in it. <laughs> and hopefully he, not the wheels. He said uh, it's and he kind of. Uh, unwinded this a little bit but he said it's going to have uh, many uh, a bunch of model 3 motors uh and that it will be because the model 3 is so high volume and so many of those parts are produced at high volume it's actually going to make the margin on the semi quite good so it sounds like there's going to be either a motor per wheel or a motor per axle or multiple yeah. motors per axle. And then also I was thinking well they'll probably have an array of the largest battery packs from the model 3 and people have been asking, well, how's it going to charge? It's going to take like days to charge. But if you think about like 10 cars, 10, 10 Model 3 is charging in a supercharger, those charge in parallel. So it may be that you actually sort of like uh, uh, a, a plug multiple chargers into the Tesla Semi and it charges the packs in parallel instead of serially. Sure. Um, or, or, I mean, with a, with a more like larger, heavier vehicle, you could imagine that swapping out packs might be actually a, a better option there. And then that would also give you the option to charge the packs overnight or whenever power is cheapest in your area. Yeah. So there, I think there's going to be, it's going to be a really interesting reveal because this will probably be the one where, th and they also are going to build it themselves. It's not as if they're going to go to someone else and have them build it. So they're going to be making these trucks. Um, and I think it'll be very clear whether or not it's better or not, because it'll be pretty easy for people to do the math. Um, so there's so another shot across the bow of Uber and auto. Yeah, for sure. And, and obviously, we'll have uh, autonomous features as well. Um, so as whatever the uh, Model 3 has, the Semi will have that as well. So oh man, you put a sleeper cab on there and you're kind of part of the way to my uh, my Winnebago dream. You are. You could probably, if you've got three or 400 grand laying around, you could buy a Semi, Mike, and <laughs> have a really beefy vehicle. So if I wanted to take like 40 people with me, though, would they have a solution for me there? So that was interesting. The bus came up, and if you remember in the master plan, they were talking about this sort of new concept for a bus that uh, is smaller than a bus, sort of platoons in some way, will come pick you up, could deal with strollers and bicycles and folks. Drives um, underground in tunnels. Potentially. And what was interesting was that Elon backpedaled on that. So someone asked him about the bus and would he talk about it? And he said, you know, after giving it a bit more thought, I'm not sure if the bus thing is actually going to be something that makes sense in a shared, fully autonomous environment. If it costs very little, less than a bus ticket to use a shared autonomy fleet, why wouldn't you just use that? So I'm not sure about the bus thing. So it sounds like that bus project is not getting, is not getting the full attention anymore. And it's potentially not getting it's not the full needed. Elon love. No, and uh, he did mention the tunnels and sort of ch chuckled a little bit about them. And um, but yeah, it doesn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on that minibus anymore, Mike. Uh, I would. I would just count on your your semi and your pickup truck and your Model Three and Model Y. I'll so. just have to cobble together my personal transportation system from those parts. Yes, it doesn't look like the bus is going to be happening um, anytime soon, and potentially never now if he's thought through it and doesn't think it's viable. All right. Well, what about China? So China, folks were asking, it's obviously the largest car market. Uh, it's been one of the fastest growing segments for Tesla. And currently they have to pay quite a bit of tax or the, the customers have to pay quite a bit of import duty as well as VAT when they're buying cars. So if it was produced in China, it would be good. And Isn't China also like the biggest world market for electric vehicles right now? Yes. And they also have targets to get to like 8% by 2020 and then eventually 100% electric in all the cities. So they are extremely strong on electric vehicles. And um, they've now, Tesla's taken the 5% interest from Tencent, which is one of the largest uh, Chinese companies. He was seen meeting with one of the um, uh, the industrial ministers uh, for who oversees automotive in China in a private meeting. And uh, so people were asking on the call, like, are you going to go to China? And his, uh, his, his response was, it's not the right timing to make any announcements on that front. Uh, I would expect us to define our plans more fully at the end of the year regarding China production. And then he said, it's good timing for China rule changes. And uh, that was in, in reference to the analysts asking, well, have you heard that they're actually going to reduce the, that China typically you need a joint venture 
uh, to operate as a, a U.S. or European company in China. But apparently for EV makers, they're thinking of reducing that or, or removing that uh, restriction so that a pure play Tesla without sharing revenue with China could operate. And so uh, he basically confirmed without confirming that they are going to do a gigafactory in China and that they most likely will be announcing it at the end of the year. Uh, but it doesn't sound like the ink is dry. And uh, China probably doesn't want to hear about that uh, without it being official from officially blessed by the Chinese government. So All right. Gigafactory, two, Gigafactory <laughs> 3 or 4 probably is going to be uh, China. So Tesla is a big enough player now where they're actually able to engage in serious negotiations with like the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk is, yes. <laughs> and so this is about the, so they have the, what are they at, like three quarters of a trillion dollar market cap now? Not yet. Not yet. They're still at around the measly 50 billion, you know, just around GM and Ford. Um, ah. But uh, someone asked him on the call as well. You know, Elon, you remember you used to say you think you could get to 750 billion uh, at some point. Do you still think that's possible? Uh, and he said, uh, well, I want to preface this. I could be completely delusional, but I think I see a clear path to that outcome. The set of steps necessary to achieve that outcome seem pretty obvious and heavily involved Tesla getting incredibly good at building the machine that builds a machine. That involves a ton of software programming and programming of the robots themselves. And it's going to be far more complex than the software in the car. I think it will be very hard for other manufacturers to copy, and I would not to want to be in their position. <laughs> so will they actually get it set up, though, so that the machine that builds the machine improves itself and that the, the Model Z that comes out won't even be designed by humans? I mean, his work with OpenAI and AI would certainly indicate that their predictive models of what they need to do are going to be AI-influenced. But um, That sounds exciting. I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think it's potentially a little bit unfair to say you see a clear path to, to 15xing your value. Um, <laughs> I would say you could imagine a path, but uh, for any company to say they see a clear path to 15xing their valuation when they're already valued as one of the top automakers, I think it shows the ambition, obviously, of where they think they need to go. And obviously, Elon operates at a, a slightly different level of vision and, and ambition than, than most CEOs. So, and just to contextualize, is there any $750 billion companies in the world right now? Uh, Apple. Are they that high? Yeah. They, oh. it, so they, they would be, he, he believes they could be bigger than the biggest company. He, he believes right. they could be the biggest company in the world. Well, I guess why not, right? If you're actually selling the energy and selling the uh, cars, then you're why not why not combine Ford or GM and Exxon or whatever and add all that up? Yeah, I mean, we talked about that in the valuation episode that it, you know it it is not inconceivable that the market opportunity is large <laughs> inconceivable. enough, inconceivable for a, a trillion dollar Tesla, but yeah. um, it certainly is. Uh, it is not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen in the year after that. And so, did anyone um, ask him if there was an asterisk that he was asterisk that he was thinking that the clear path he was seeing involved runaway inflation? No, no one asked that. That's a good, oh, uh, that that could have been a, a caveat right there. It could have been um, Tesla so, Energy. Sorry. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to ask about Tesla Energy. Yeah. So, like, what, yeah, what, what's going on there? You know, it's only two hundred million dollars in revenue right now, and as we talked about in our description of it a few episodes, oh, many, many episodes ago, uh, <laughs> it it is still yet to take off. Uh, Elon said that he expects there to be some drastic improvements, or sorry, dramatic changes in demand by the end of the year, but that uh, for the next couple quarters it might still be kind of small, and that they're currently supply constrained uh, in making the power walls and the power packs, not demand constrained. Um, so Tesla Energy and the Solar City stuff is not a huge driver, and I think a lot of the analysts were expecting more growth there. Um, they they actually, have, a, have they gotten the the Gigafactory? Is a Gigafactory two in like Buffalo, New York, running yet? Not yet. And so the solar panels, the solar roofs, will be coming out in two quarters. Um, they're going to start offering it uh, sales in the next month or so, and they're actually going to start the production here out on the West Coast. Uh, pilot production in the former Solyndra factory that they own. Uh, which oh, there's is bad juju in there. And then they're going to transition to that Buffalo factory. So they still <laughs> are going to do the, the two solar roof uh, tile options this year and then probably the next two shortly after. So it's still happening, but it's just at a much smaller scale. And so 
the number of questions about it and Tesla's energy on it, um, no pun intended, seems to be quite proportional to its current impact on the business. And automotive is still clearly the much larger component. But Tesla still holds out that it will be an equal or larger percentage of revenue at some point. All right. Well, it's certainly, I mean, the, the idea of like solar roofs is, is, is a new uh, innovation. So it's kind of hard to see uh, what it will be because it doesn't exist right now, right? Like solar, solar power exists as like big, obvious panels on a roof. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the market reacts to it being uh, a lot more stealthy. Yeah. And I, I would say Elon used the word dramatic multiple times, which makes me believe there's something he's not telling us about what's going to happen at the end of the year with this. So either they have some major deals in the works or they have some product announcement that ties it into the automotive world, into the people who are buying cars in a way that they don't, they haven't revealed it yet. So I, I wouldn't write it off, um, but maybe the next two quarters just aren't going to matter. So uh, yeah, I mean, like building houses, replacing roofs, it's a, it's a longer uh, longer play, right? It's not like quarter quarterly play, right? That's like a probably a five or ten year cycle. Yeah, and it's not something people generally get that excited about. Um, well, it's not speak for you... yourself. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So wrapping up, I guess we 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 do the. Uh, it's time for the uh, Caleb's quarterly grade. What would you uh, What would you give them on a a letter grade uh, if they were your pupil in your classroom? I would give them a C plus. C plus. I think that's down from last It is quarter. down. Yeah. yeah. I should and actually look this up beforehand so I remember what the previous quarter was, but oh Yeah. Well. Uh, that so would I, involve work. Yeah, I would say that the um the challenges here are that we still have another couple months till Model 3 starts. Their ability to say they started deliveries to real customers, uh, you know, they could deliver one car and say they started real customer delivery so it's really going to come down to how that production ramp actually goes what the reception is so so if this was bowling they would have like an open spare and it would depend what they get on their next ball right like yeah it's 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 dependent on what comes next and and they still obviously have the the handicap that uh they have not had a smooth rollout of previous products, and that weighs heavily on people. And Elon continues to tell people, do not use past performance to indicate future performance. Um, also, he keeps different. starting new companies in the interim, too. So, you know, that, that has to worry investors. Yeah, that doesn't, um, it doesn't inspire confidence that he's fully focused on, on Tesla. But, you know, he says it's a very small percentage of his time. It's sort of a hobby, and th- that's fine. <laughs> I, I, Starting companies is his hobby. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's a different human. Uh, but I guess I was hoping from, I think I was just actually sort of frustrated with the analyst not asking enough questions about Model 3. Like, there were just so many strange, like, two what? detailed questions about the finances of this quarter that the point is what's actually going to happen with Model 3. If Model 3 is the most popular car ever, what happened this quarter is irrelevant. If it is a mediocre success, and is only a few percentage of the sedan market, um, that'd be problematic. And so I just didn't feel like people were digging in enough on that, considering this is the biggest release Tesla's ever going to have, and they spent, you know, 15% of the call talking about it, and the letter didn't have as much juice as I wanted. So (laughs) the big question here, then, is how do we get you on the next call? I know, I know. Well, we we need to make that happen. I need to become an analyst at a major Wall Street bank, uh, and I do not (laughs) plan to do that. That sounds like it'd be soul crushing. All right. Well, if any one of our listeners has the ability to make that happen, where could they reach you to find out or to, yes. to hook that up? Yes. You could go to our website, theteslashow.com, and leave a comment on the episode if you want to be dis- sort of disclosed. Uh, you could send us a private message from our website as well, which we read all those messages, and we try to respond to all of them as well. You can tweet so at nice. us. Yes. You can tweet at us on uh, Twitter at The Tesla Show. And if you're into Reddit, we have a subreddit, r slash The Tesla Show, where we uh, comment there as well and we'll upvote you we will we will indeed judiciously well another christmas morning has ended i did not get all the presents i'd hoped for but i have faith that next christmas will be quite good and perhaps i will be reserved in my model three by the time this rolls around for q2 who knows hope springs eternal i gotta hold out hope um so with that i'll talk to you next week mike all right bye Caleb. bye